3: People say, what
2: are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels.
3: Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Some 2024 talk. That'll be fun. We'll bring in Pedro Gonzalez to talk about that. We have... You voted for this, and boy, are we going to have a deep discussion on that. And birth rates. Oh, that's an uncomfortable topic. So, of course, we'll tackle that tonight on I'm Right. Let's do a little 2024 talk before we get into all the birth rate stuff and everything else later on in the show. Let's do a little Biden, Trump, DeSantis. Let's do a little talk. Biden announced yesterday. You know my theory that he's not running, but it's just a theory. I suspect they're going to run him out of the race for the Hunter Biden stuff and Gavin Newsom will come in. But let's, let's focus on what we know for now. Not my crackpot theories. Let's focus on what we know. What we know is Joe Biden announced he's running this long, rambling, boring TV ad. But remember, you can always you can always tell things by what they show you and what they don't show you. This is just the norm. Remember in this political world that you don't really live in, that I don't really live in anymore. I know I talk politics for a living, but when you're a politician, when you're these people, it's a very weird, very sick existence. You poll test everything. Little words are poll tested. You'll poll test this message versus that message. You'll you'll spend inhuman amounts of money gathering people in a room. And what if I talk like this instead of like this? It's crazy when you get into that high level of politics How deep they go into detail on things. And what's wild is Joe Biden puts out this minute and a half long ad yesterday, which you're just seeing now, and nothing in there, nothing is about Joe Biden and what Joe Biden has accomplished so far. That tells you something. It tells you they understand the American people. They don't like Joe Biden. Democrats don't like him either normal Americans and Democrats. Nobody likes Joe Biden, and he hasn't done anything significant at all. So if he actually does run, which, again, I don't believe, that tells you the kind of campaign we're looking at. It will be the most vicious, hatchet, mudslinging campaign you've ever seen in your life. And he ran to the podium afterwards and said this, and again, remember... The poll testing.
0: The speaker,
5: the former president, and the MAGA extremists are cut from a different cloth. They treat these folks, they treat these folks, and they think they're a threat. They think that somehow we're going to go
0: back.
4: MAGA extremists so it's a big old mess. He has no accomplishments to appoint, to point to. It's just going to be blasting away at the Republican nominee the entire time. Look, and everyone knows the deal. Joe Biden's too old. He's too old to be president now. He can't keep a thought in his head. He can't walk around without looking like he's half drunk. He can't speak without slurring his words and losing his train of thought 10,000 times. And that's what the teleprompter he's reading Imagine if I had teleprompters here on the show. I'd never miss anything up. You're just reading something that's by the camera. It's crazy. He it can't be president now. He's most definitely not going to last, remember, not four more years, six more years, because he still has two years left in this term. And it's hilarious. This team is so screwed up, so full of weapons-grade morons like Corinne Diversity Hire, she couldn't even give the audience, the press, uh, any kind of assurance at all that he was going to last the entire term. One
2: more: Does the yeah. president um, plan to serve all eight years?
1: <laughs> I'm not. I'm just not going to get ahead of the president. That's something for him to decide. I'm just not going to get ahead of it. And we're, there's a 2024 uh, campaign. Anything related to that, I would refer you to that.
4: Okay. What? <laughs> well, I, I don't look. I don't want to sit here and act like he's still going to be alive the whole time. I don't want to be a liar. (laughs) Of course, she had to walk that back later on in the day. And then I understand maybe, look, hey, maybe she lost her train of thought because she's the White House press secretary. So she's up there every single day tackling the crucial issues that matter to America and matter to everyday Americans like yesterday the reason she answered that question so poorly is probably because she had this huge event planned for later on in the day
1: so this week is lesbian visibility week and as the first openly queer person to hold the position of press secretary for the president of the united states i see every day how important visibility and representation are today i'm honored to welcome the cast of the l word and generation q Two Showtime series that chronicle the friendship, the love, the challenges, and the triumphs of strong, funny, and resilient queer women.
4: Lesbian Visibility Week. I thought the WNBA season just ended. Anyway, moving on. That makes Joe Biden's vice president extremely important. Like, critically important, because Joe Biden's vice president is obviously going to be president if god forbid he wins again and that brings us to dome you understand that there's a very good chance that dome is going to be president of the united states this is something that happens you remember mckinley got shot no we don't want anyone to get shot but mckinley got shot back when teddy roosevelt was his vp and that's why you ever had a president teddy roosevelt by the way we have a teddy roosevelt special you like what i did there it's awesome, I'm going out. You have to go to thefirsttv.com slash support and sign up and you get to watch a cool special about a very, very cool human being. Learn some things you may not know, but back to this. Dome is very likely going to be president one day and she's out there hitting the campa- campaign trail and boy, eloquent as ever.
6: So
1: I think it's very important as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist and are present, and to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past, but the future.
4: What? What, is, what does any of that mean? Who talks like it? Anyway, so you saw the signs in the background, right? The fight for reproductive freedom. That brings me to our side when it comes to 2024. Because there's something we have to tackle here now and very well may hurt to hear. It may offend you. And I, and I want to make sure I remind you of this before I say something that may offend you. If it does offend you, I don't care, right? This is not your mommy's show. This is your daddy's show. It's not our job to powder anybody's butt for him. Donald Trump is the likely nominee. If not, it's 50-50, right? It's going to be a heck of a race between him and DeSantis. So there's a good chance Donald Trump is the nominee. It is not 2016. Donald Trump is a known quantity now. And for many, many, many reasons. A lot of it is media or whatever. The reasons don't matter. For many, many reasons, Donald Trump is less popular today than he was when he won in 2016. That's simply a fact. Again, I don't care about your opinion on it. We know this. This is a fact by now. He's hurting badly with independents and women. I don't say this to insult him. I say this so the Trump campaign, such as it is, will realize that Donald Trump is not currently in a primary battle. He is, but he isn't. The battle for Donald Trump, if he wants a snowball's chance in hell of walking into the White House again, the battle for Donald Trump is winning back independence and women, as many of them as he possibly can. I'm not telling him to moderate on the America First message. I'm not telling him to move to the center like all those weak losers do, but I am telling you this and I'm telling you this now. He has a serious problem with independence and women. They hate his freaking guts. His campaign should be aimed at bringing them back in. And don't email me telling me I'm a woman and I love him. I get it. I, I understand that. I'm not saying all women. But this is a problem. I hang out with normal people, not political people. 92, 93%. That's, my, that's how Republican my area is. And I hang out with these people all the time. And to a man... The dudes all love him. And to a woman, they hate his freaking guts. And I've tried, believe me, I've tried. I've tried to explain to them what about the results? What about the economy? I have freaking tried. They sit there, they sit there like this, whenever I bring him up. Okay, he doesn't have to make that woman love him. He probably can't, but he has to make sure they don't hate him. Or Joe Biden is walking back into the White House again and dome is going to be your future president of the United States of America. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I am right. We're going to talk to Pedro Gonzalez about that and some other things in just a moment. Before we get to the other things, though, let us get to this. Let us get to fast food. You like fast food? It's okay if you do. I love fast food. I had Taco Bell today. But it's not good for us, is it? Think what your health would be like. Think what your blood work would look like if you had fast food every single meal. You know the dog food you give your dog? It's brown for a reason. They killed all the nutrition in it. If you're just giving your dog dog food, it's like giving them McDonald's every meal. That's why our dogs don't live as long as they should. You can change that for your dog. Rough greens, a nutritional supplement, all natural you pour it on the dog's food. And it's not just the length of life, the quality of life. You want those achy joints to get better? Eyes, coat, is your dog hyperactive, hypoactive? Rough Greens is giving your dog a new life. Go to roughgreens.com slash jesse and sign up today, okay? Roughgreens.com slash jesse. What you're getting is a free Jumpstart trial bag. Go now. We'll be back.
1: awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country.
0: Because you'd be in jail.
1: Secretary Clinton.
4: That was a pretty good line I'll be honest with you. Joining me now Pedro Gonzalez senior writer of Chronicles a magazine of American culture and I know him as the senior fellow for the American principles project. Okay Pedro Trump comes out and he says yesterday, I'm not doing uh, any debates. I didn't agree to any debates. Who said we would do these debates? And I don't believe he's going to be up 40 points by the time it's debate stage. If he even is around, if, even if he is up that now, he's not going to be up that then. But if he is, I'd say it's the smart move. Is it the bravest move? No, but why would you debate if you're really up 40 points? I'd, I'd skip them too. I think it's smart.
5: Right. Well, Jesse, thanks for having me. Honestly, I think the I think that the thing that really upsets me is that we're being robbed of fantastic one-liners like that. Because I agree, I think uh, that was one of the things that I think made Trump such a phenomenon is his ability to just completely mock and humiliate and undress his opponents, regardless of who they were. And that's exactly why, for example, I think kind of related to this is is why the worst people in America are happy that Tucker Carlson is no longer on the air. Why? Well, because apart from telling the truth every night, Tucker was also very good at making powerful people look and sound stupid. And that is not really the Trump that we have anymore. Uh, You've got this kind of this Trump who's on the one hand, you can make the argument that you just did that. Well, the polls have him up right now, but I actually don't think that means much because, you know, there's an elephant in the room and that elephant in the room has not entered the race officially yet to challenge uh, Trump. at which point things could rapidly and dramatically change. But more importantly, I think that it it speaks to this kind of fundamental shift in Trump, where in, Trump 20, in, in the Trump of 2016, you had this really confident kind of force of nature. And now you've got a guy that's kind of like angrily lashing out that all of the Republican Party processes are not run by him in any ways. Why should he debate? No one has the right to challenge him. It, it's this very kind of like under siege mindset that you've got coming from Trump, which doesn't really exude confidence. Do you think
4: he's really up like that? I, I, I mean, I, I, Donald Trump, I would argue, is probably still the most popular Republican in America, 40 points more popular than DeSantis. I don't know, but I, I would guess he's still the most popular Republican. Do you think it's state by state wise a, a lot closer than that?
5: It's it it really is difficult to know because again the only I think viable for Republican voters the only viable alternative to Trump has not entered the race yet we actually don't know if DeSantis is going to enter the race yet right because look at the rest of the field and the people that are actually in the runnings and I mean I, th- I think the I think the polling for those people actually does reflect reality but right now around DeSantis it's sort of like you know do you support him for president well. He's not officially running yet, and there's all these questions as to whether or not he will run. And maybe we can actually get an answer by looking at how the Trump campaign is acting toward DeSantis, because if it's actually true that if those massive poll numbers do reflect reality, then why is Trump doing things like his, his campaign uh, that he, uh, his, his campaign advertisement that he released the other day? It's in focus entirely on DeSantis. Whereas Biden's big campaign ad that was also released uh, in the last few days was entirely focused on Trump, so basically Biden is is running a general election, and Trump seems entirely focused on not Biden but DeSantis. And now you've got this this story that that Trump is reportedly trying to actually make it so that it's essentially try to keep DeSantis out of the race because whether or not he enters the race seems contingent on this resign-to-run law being passed that basically allows DeSantis to run for president without resigning the governorship. Trump is trying to intervene, reportedly, to prevent that from happening, which would effectively keep DeSantis out of the race. So again, if Trump is so far and away ahead of him, why does everything he everything he's doing seems to suggest that internally uh, they're not quite as confident, and in fact they're afraid of DeSantis? Yeah, well, I'll tell
4: you, I... I've thought the same thing. I've spoken to you about that before. He acts like it's really, really close. He acts like it's anyone's anyone's game. He doesn't act like he's 45 points up. I suspect they have internal polling showing this race be very close. All right, let's focus on DeSantis for a moment. So DeSantis is overseas. Well, here he is.
0: Xi clearly wants to take Taiwan at some point. Um, You know, he's got a certain time horizon, he could be emboldened to maybe shorten that horizon Uh, but I think ultimately what I think China respects is strength so I think our policy should really be you know to shape the the environment in such a way that really deters them from doing that I think if they think the costs are gonna outweigh whatever benefits then I do think that they would hold off And that should be our goal
4: Pedro I love Donald Trump's foreign policy a lot of people did you probably did yourself I don't know what Ron DeSantis's is, is yet. I haven't heard a lot that I dislike. It's not like I'm nervous about it, but I don't know what is it.
5: Well, it's it's difficult because he's never been the president, right? So it, we can evaluate mm-hmm. him based on it, what he says and and some of his the things that he's done in Congress. And I, I think that it speaks to DeSantis not being the neoconservative Trojan horse that people are trying to paint a uh, paint him as. By the fact that we can look at, for example, he opposed arming uh, so-called Syrian moderates who were not actually moderates. I mean, these people were vicious killers, and DeSantis was opposed to that because he understood that, look, in, in the Middle East, these fairy tales of like a good guy versus bad guy, these these things don't actually mm. work in certain parts of the world, and the moderates are just as insane and bloodthirsty as, as the bad guys, right? And so I think his ability to kind of be deliberative and to explain why he takes the stances he does and then to shift his positions based on the information that's available, it shows that he's not an ideologue. Some people obviously interpret that as, well, he's just a kind of weather vane, but no, actually that that's, that's called leadership. Look, people have completely forgotten that we actually came very close to bombing Iran under Trump. I was really livid about this and so was Tucker Carlson because you had the Trump administration basically threatening to specifically target these heritage sites, sites that go back to to Roman times, sites that go back to antiquity, saying that we're going to deliberately destroy these things just to to, uh, kind of infuriate Iran. And Trump changed his position on Iran basically in response to uh, his base telling him, we don't want a war with Iran. And so I think that it's it's actually okay for people to make decisions uh, based on the information that they have, um, but it, it's just difficult to evaluate Desantis because he's never been president. Um, but I think that the the most that you can say, the truest thing you can say, is that he's not a neoconservative. The neoconservatives hate him. Bill Kristol, the the an arch neoconservative, David Frum, like name your neoconservative villain, they all hate Desantis. They all seem to hate him more than Trump.
4: That's probably a good sign. Pedro, I appreciate it, brother.
5: Jesse, thank you.
4: All right. We have more issues, big issues, like George Soros issues. Talk to somebody about that here in just a moment before we talk about that. Let's do something we like to do every night here on the Jesse Kelly, on I'm Right with Jesse Kelly. Boulder Crest. Boulder Crest is an organization dedicated to taking veterans who are struggling and veterans struggle, I have certainly been there, and pulling them out of that darkness and handing them back to the world better. Veterans, if you're hearing me and you're one of the ones struggling, this is an organization that can help you. For everyone else, this is an organization we can support. You should see the testimonials bringing people in and putting them back together so they can go be the husband. They can go be the dad. They can go be the man that they were. I don't want to say before. It's not like that man's gone, but be back together again. That's not easy. Boulder Crest is doing the work. Go to bouldercrest.org and give. Help them do the work, all right? We'll be back. Look, demonizing children is wrong. We have to keep them safe as well. Have you ever taught middle school? I have. Have you ever raised young people? Do you understand the risk that young people take just because they're young? Do you know that home plate is at the bottom of my stairs? I found that out when my son was sliding down those stairs trying to score. They're young. Sometimes they make silly decisions. They do. And so we have to make sure that we are investing to make sure that young people know that they are supported. Ah, Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson. Joining me now, Evita Duffy Alfonso. She's a writer at The Federalist, also co-founder of The Chicago Thinker. Evita, they're just, just kids being kids, just sliding down the stairs into home plate. It's so adorable watching these kids be kids.
6: These are not kids being kids. This is outrageous behavior from teenagers in Chicago. Uh, People are dying on the streets from what's happening. It's not just kids making mistakes, sliding down the stairs. I think that's a ridiculous answer. And I have to say that there was a lot of debate in Chicago of, okay, who's gonna be worse, Brandon Johnson or Lori Lightfoot? A hundred percent, Brandon Johnson is shaping up to be much worse than Lori Lightfoot. That, That clip right there is a signal to all of the criminals in Chicago that if you misbehave if you go downtown if you cause a ruckus if you steal if you hurt people that's gonna be okay in Chicago and by the way the same thing has happened with Kim Fox without would not prosecuting criminals in the city there are signals to people to bad people that your behavior will be allowed because of equity politics and I have to say that, that one they're 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 instigating crime but also there is a problem with young people in the city not having opportunities he's he's partially right. And the reason that they don't have opportunities and the reason that they're going downtown and causing all this ruckus and having all these issues is because of Democrat policies creating economic disaster in Chicago, shutting down black businesses during COVID, keeping them trapped in the worst schools because of teachers' unions. Democrat policies are the reason that young black people in Chicago's South Side don't have opportunities. And so I think it's really hypocritical of him to even mention that.
4: Yeah, I get it, but, Evita, black people voted for him. I, I, I've seen the breakdown of w- who voted for Brandon Johnson. Brandon Johnson got elected by the black neighborhoods in Chicago. So, I, I look, that's just a fact. Why am I supposed to care? You keep voting for the biggest freaking morons. Why Why do I care?
6: Yeah, I, I think it's really frustrating for conservatives, um, especially a conservative who's lived in Chicago. I know myself. It was so frustrating mm-hmm. to see people... To newly vote for the worst candidates over and over again. But I will say this, and I'm 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 a Hispanic, I'm a conservative Hispanic. But I have a lot of family members who started voting Democrat when they came to from Mexico in the 1930s during the Great Depression and never stopped. There's a cycle of voting Democrat in these cities um, and among minorities. And there's one it, it comes to Republicans to really do better a better job with messaging, um, and also realizing that to message to them, you have to realize that there's a perception that the other side is racist. The Democrats, they lie, they go in and they say, anybody that wants to, you know, support the police while they're doing that because they're racist. Anybody that, you know, wants to lower taxes while they're doing it because they're racist, they want to take away, you know, the benefits that you guys get. And this, this kind of rhetoric is what keeps people in a cycle of voting Democrat and Republicans have to strategize a way to stop that. It can happen. I'm proof of it. Um, But, but we have to be really, we have to be really Purposeful as we deal with people who are in cycles of voting Democrat.
4: Kim Fox, you mentioned her earlier. Soros funded DA. She's not running for re-election, so I, I, I guess maybe I have a little bit of hope. But is Chicago just going to run out and vote for another Soros funded DA?
6: Yeah. I so I mean Kim Fox, first of all, is. A horrible, horrible DA. I mean, very similar to to prosecutors that you see in, in Los Angeles and in New York. Uh, just last weekend, there was a six-month-year-old child who was killed in a car accident because of reckless teen drivers in a stolen vehicle. And those those killers, those people who stole that vehicle, those teens, have only been charged with a misdemeanor. That's the kind of city that Kim Fox has run. Um, she's she's. Like I said, signal to all the criminals in the city that we are not going to put you behind bars. There will be no consequences for your actions. Um and I, I'd like to think that Chicago would vote for um, a, a better DA. I think that there, again is is a Chicago machine. There's a lot of money at play. Um A lot of people like George Soros have a lot of sway in the city. And so I'd like to think that somebody better is going to come in play. I have come into office um, and and be the DA. I, I just don't see that happening.
4: All right, let's get out of Blue, Illinois, and go to supposedly Red, Wyoming. Wyoming, where a dude is uh, trying to join a sorority? What?
6: Yeah, this is the most insane story. I I have to say, there's a a group of sorority sisters, Kappa Kappa Gamma, in, in Wyoming, and a... Last, during the recruitment for earlier this year, a man decided that he was going to a transgender identifying man, so that he was going to join the sorority and the leadership. For Kappa Kappa Gamma, which is a bunch of a bunch of libs, a bunch of woke people who want to signal that they're very progressive, uh, pressured this sorority into letting him in. This man hardly even identifies as transgender. The lawsuit claims that he rarely dresses as a transgender person. He's had no chemical surgeries uh, or kept, kept, uh, he's taken no um, no transgender uh, chemicals or, or had any surgeries. He is a full-fledged man and has been putting these women at risk um they, they they've said that they felt extremely threatened by him he'll stare at them for hours without talking in the sorority house um he he'll take pictures of them covertly without them knowing when he was in the recruitment process, instead of talking about his hobbies, his likes, his dislikes, he talked about how he'd like to be near dead bodies. I and mean, this is a bizarre human being um, who clearly is not, is, is not suffering from gender dysphoria. They, they found him on Tinder um, trying to get with other women. This is, this is a, man, a sick man who wants to live in a sorority house with a bunch of young women and put them at risk. And I think at the woke altar, they are sacrificing these women's sanity and their safety.
4: Ah, that's freaking horrible, Avita. Appreciate you. Thank you very much.
6: Thank you. Of course.
4: All right. Let's talk about birth rates. Before we talk about that, let's talk about interest rates, inflation rates. You've you're poorer now than you were last year. We all are. We all took a beating in the stock market. We've all watched the value of our dollar go down. And the most frustrating thing about that is we can't do anything about that. There's nothing you can do to save the value of your dollar. It's just it's out of your hands. It's out of my hands. If the value disappears, it disappears. The only thing you can do is try to mitigate those losses. Try to make some of your wealth not in dollars. Make some of your wealth into gold and silver because gold and silver aren't subject to the whims of the Fed or the president or the next pandemic or lockdown. They're not subject to those whims. 5,000 years ago, gold had incredible value. 5,000 years in the future, gold will have incredible value. It's a precious metal. It's your financial security. Call Oxford Gold. They'll deliver real gold or silver coins to your front door. They'll get gold and silver in your 401k and IRA so your retirement isn't wiped out. One phone call is what it's going to take, and they're easy to work with. Call 833-995-GOLD. Tell them Jesse told you to call, all right? We'll be back. And then one of my, my, my favorite sort of, but maybe less obvious things to be concerned about is, is the birth rate. You know, I think it's important that people have enough babies to su- support civilization and, and we don't sort of dwindle away and, you know, because they say like, you know, c- civilization might die with a bang or with a whimper, um, and, and if, we, if we don't have enough kids, then we will die with a, a, a whimper in adult diapers. Joining me now, my friend Mike Slater, host of the Politics by Faith podcast, and also he did a special on this, The Road to Human Extinction on the Declining Birth Rate, (laughs) which may or may not have inspired one of our producers to have a baby, which he had nine months later. Congratulations (laughs) again, John. Mike, okay, first of all, let's deal with the why, bud. Why aren't we having enough babies? Why are people not reproducing? And I'm obviously not judging. Some people can't. Some people don't want them. But society as a whole is not making babies anymore. Why?
7: I take I take most of the credit for John's family growing. By the way, I just like to <laughs> tell
5: that uh,
7: there's two main reasons uh, I think. First, by far, feminism. Right? Feminism tells women that the most important thing in your life is your career and you can worry about your family later. There's no biological clock. You can uh, have a kid when you're like, I don't know, 37. And then eventually women are like, oh, I'd like to have a kid. Oh wait, I can only maybe fit one. Okay, like that's a big one. And then the other thing I would blame on the men's side is pornography. Men can get this like pseudo fake fix uh, with pornography as opposed to having a real relationship. Men used to get married like like high school or right out of high school. And now the average age for a man to get married in America is 29. So we're just starting families way later. And then you can throw in materialism and then you have like this weird, like death cult of environmentalism. that says like, oh, I don't even want to bring people into this world. It's like, get over yourself. Slaves had kids. People during the great depression had kids. And you don't want to bring people into the world because you think times are so tough. Get over yourself. So you put all that stuff together and we're literally not making enough people to continue the existence of a country. Like that's what Elon is talking about. We may not exist anymore. It's one of the like most mind-boggling things. And what a sign too of civilizational literal decline that the people of our country don't want to make more of ourselves. Like that's that's like should be a huge red flag that people don't want to procreate anymore. There's a massive rot in our country right now that we've got to get to the bottom of. Uh,
4: Mike, can you explain why people are, why are people against children? And this is what I mean. I'm not talking about having babies again, but sometimes when I talk to people, they really genuinely do not want kids. And I'm not judging people who don't want them. People live their own lives. But I, as a father... They're the greatest freaking joy in the world. I just There's nothing better than being a dad. There's nothing better than giving my, my son's crap about something or teaching them something. or It's just the best. And then watching them grow and fail and succeed. It's the best. And people will talk about it as if it's this horrible burden. Where did that come from?
7: Yeah, that's such a question. I So I call it celebrating ugliness. That's the term I've given this where parents will talk about what terrible parents they are and how awful it is and what a mess our house is and and how I'm a bad mom and I'm teaching them how to swear and we eat junk and blah blah blah. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, We should be celebrating the joy of parenting. So I think there's been a lot of that uh, for a long time that's that's not uh, healthy at all to say the least. I think at the root of it is just selfishness, right? It's me, 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 my career, my life, my money. I need a bigger house. Uh, when you're talking about the joy of parenting it reminds me of uh, Jerry Seinfeld interview he didn't have he didn't get married or have kids until he was older but for a man that's more acceptable though having kids is a young man's game as you know like getting on the ground and wrestling is a young man's game right it's hard work it's exhausting to have kids we have four Right? And the reason, by the way, we had that fourth one be- was because of this issue. We were like on the fence, should we have a fourth? It's like, yes, I'll get to that in a second. But anyway, Jerry Seinfeld, real life Jerry Seinfeld said, why did no one tell me how awesome this is? Everyone complains all the time, but like, where were you telling me that this is the coolest thing ever to have kids? And I think we really need to accentuate that. I think we need to tell people in high school, even like, hey, having a family is the best. You should do it. It's way better than partying at the club. So there's this guy, I forget who it is. I don't know his name, but he's on uh, he's on Instagram, whatever. And he interviews like these people at spring break, and he's like, "Oh, like, what would you do for a thousand dollars? Or what's the craziest thing you've done at spring break?" And it's like, "Oh my gosh!" Like these people are so completely lost. They have no clue about what is good and wonderful about life. Like we should be teaching these kids to get out of the club, stop wasting your time and go and start a family. It's way better. It's not a drag, it's the best. You you, like you, just, you and I as dads, we have way more fun than any dude does at a club. And I just want to accentuate that. And so my advice to everyone when it comes to this birth rate issue is have that next kid. Do it. Get married young. And then maybe that ship sailed for you, but give this advice to younger people. Get married young. Don't worry about your career, women. Okay, don't worry about it. Have kids. You can have your career later. Reject that feminist lie. And then then have that extra kid. If you have two and you're like, I don't know if we should have three, do it. We need more of you. It's the opening scene of idiocracy where the two like smart people are like, well, I don't know, we should wait for our 401k to be a bigger or the stock market or I don't know, we should wait till I finish my advanced degrees before and then before you know it, they don't have any kids. But Cletus is over here banging every girl he sees, knocking up everyone, kids everywhere. It's like, no, we want fewer of those people. We want more of you. Please make more of you. If you're listening to Jesse Kelly right now, you are a good person and we need more of you in this world.
4: It is weird that the people who watch are good people, but I'm not. That is odd. You know what? Let's, let's, let's tackle another aspect of this, because it is a very real aspect of this. The LGBTQ endless social conditioning. I don't have to approach this from any other way, although I do often on the show, but I can set everything else aside. Left, right, middle, belief system, everything. As a society, Gen Z, 19% now identifying as LGBTQ... You can't make enough babies if 20% of your young people are removing themselves from the don't-make-any-more-babies pool, Mike. It doesn't work. This stuff is going to end the country. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. That's true. That's just math.
7: I mean, yes, literally, if you cut off male genitalia, that's it. That's That's the end of that line of having children. And I remember this. A while ago, very early, oh, it was at the beginning of the gay marriage debate, even. And people were like, oh, like Christians were having a tough time articulating why gay marriage is wrong and immoral and just unwise. And I remember people making this argument of, well, uh, Adam and Steve can't make babies. And I remember that not being like the most compelling argument at the time. I wasn't really a Christian at the time. But like, no, like that's super fundamental. And now we see what a massive problem it is. Every country needs two, every woman needs to have 2.1 kids in order for a country's birth rate to remain the same, or excuse me, uh, population to remain the same. 2.1 kids per woman, right? Japan's very famous for having a low birth rate at 1.3 uh, kids per woman, but they're not alone. Like Germany, all these other European countries are 1.5, South Korea's 0.9. I and mean, these countries Oof. won't exist. 0.9 kids per woman? But America, we're no better. We're 1.6. The only reason we're just above the birth rate is because of immigration. But that's it. So we're below the birth rate as it is here in America. And as you said, like, like cutting off the reproductive organs of our youth is certainly not going to help us in our effort to continue to exist as a nation. The Adam and Steve uh, argument is actually like an existential crisis. These two people can't make kids, and that's bad for the future of our country.
4: Well, cutting off the necessary equipment generally hurts your efforts to have babies. All right, Mike, before I let you well, go, actually, let you me, have a second- one, Let me throw one
7: more thing your way. Sorry, this just jumped in my head, sorry, Jesse. Everyone talks about the Atlantic slave trade. Uh, slaves came from Africa to America over the Atlantic Ocean. No one ever talks about the Middle Eastern slave trade. And one reason why it's not as known today is because the uh, Middle Eastern slave leaders would c- turn their, the men into eunuchs. They would cut off their genitalia uh, and become part of uh, whatever. They'd take off. So, so there's not as much, uh, there's no black people in the Middle East, like that's the bottom line, right? That portion of the Middle East, because they would cut off the genitalia. So like th- there's a proof right there. Like, like why are there no slave descendants from Africa in the Middle East today? It's because they cut off their organs, right? So why are we doing that to ourselves here in America? Sorry, I had to throw that in there.
4: No, that's no, a good tidbit. All right, you have a Second Amendment special coming up. What are you talking about?
7: Yeah, so a lot of gun stuff, like crazy, horrible, tragic, ridiculous stories, like shooting kids whose basketball goes in yards and stuff like that. So oh. I think even a lot of conservatives are on shaky ground right now when it comes to the Second Amendment even and why it exists and why we need it. So we take at it, look at it from the biblical perspective. I've never really done that before. What does the Bible say about guns? Obviously, guns weren't invented, but what does it say about self defense? Uh, what does it say about weapons? What does it say about private property and protecting yourself? It's Very, very fascinating. There's a line that everyone thinks is in the Bible uh, live by the sword, die by the sword. It's not there. It's not there. Isn't that unbelievable? Almost everyone, live by the sword, finish the sentence, and they can say it. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Jesus is much more specific. And when you figure that out, you're like, oh, that's what he means. And now it all makes sense. And our founding fathers knew this. Our founding fathers were intimately, deeply, passionately understanding uh, natural law and the Bible and common sense and history. And they knew what they were doing when they wrote the Second Amendment. We have forgotten it, and even conservatives need to get back on track.
4: Amen. Mike, come back soon, buddy. Appreciate it.
7: Thanks, man. Have a good day.
4: We're going to lighten the mood next. But first... Let's clean your air. You have dirty air. Dirty air in your office. You have dirty air in your house. It's not because you're dirty, don't get me wrong. You're you're fine. You're fine. Let's clean the air in your home with an Eden-pure thunderstorm because there are viruses and mold in your air because viruses and mold are simply in the air. It's part of the reason your home has a smell to it. Not a bad smell, but it has a smell, right? You walk in someone else's home and it smells different than your home does. The foods, the pets, just life, you. We put off odors, viruses, mold grow on them, and we're breathing in this garbage all day long. You might just find yourself having the cleanest bill of health you've ever had in your life when you go ahead and buy a three-pack of Eden Pure Thunderstorms, plug them into your wall, and you'll be able to, it's not like you're not going to be able to know, you'll be able to taste the difference in your air. Clean your home's air and your office. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Code JESSE gets you $200 off a three-pack. Go now. All right. We normally don't show violent crime here on I'm Right because we know kids are watching, but I should warn you what you're about to see Megyn Kelly do to Keith Oberman It has to qualify as first-degree murder, if not manslaughter or something like that. But gosh, it's
7: just brutal.
4: (laughs) Before we play you that, let's play you this. Well, let's talk to you about this. I guess we're not playing it for you. Talk to you about your food supply. We all get nervous as we look around. Everyone does. We look around at the state of things, and we think, uh, this isn't going very well. Maybe I should do something. You should do something. Nothing drastic, though. Make sure you have a way to access clean water. Make sure you have ammunition. Make sure you can eat if things go bad. If China pops an EMP over your area and all the grocery stores are gone, how long can you and your family eat with what you have in your home? My Patriot Supply, they've been doing this a long time. They have so many five-star reviews for a reason. They have emergency three-month food kits. Buy it, stash it, forget about it, and pray you never need it. But if you do, you will thank God for it one day. Go to mypatriotsupply.com and get it. They're 200 dollars off right now per kid. Mypatriotsupply.com. All right? All right. Keith Oberman apparently took some pot shots at Megan Kelly, and that wasn't uh that wasn't
2: smart. Even uh Keith Oberman was saying similar things, uh, comparing Tucker to a Nazi. He also, for good measure, decided to tweet about me because I said Tucker is going to be better off without Fox, and said something to the effect of, you got fired from Fox and NBC. What would you know about it? So first of all, you misstate the circumstances of my departure from NBC, sir. That's all I'm allowed to say about it. Uh, And as for Fox, there were widely reported facts that I was offered $100 million to stay there, uh, but the record's very clear that I left voluntarily because I wanted to raise my family, something you don't know anything about, because no one would marry you, and you have no children. You of a cold, lonely life, in which you become a bitter, bitter man. Something I wouldn't know anything about because my life is joyful and I've managed to raise my own children. And someday, I hope you have that pleasure, but I don't have high hopes it's gonna happen.
4: Whew. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow.
1: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you
3: get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought patterns.